Uh, good evening, everyone. I um, start this evening by reading you a story um, from a recent edition of Tricycle. Um, and I'll tell you the context of the story when I've read it. Um, so it's uh, from China in the days of the old masters. People came from far and wide to hear the Dharma talk of a young teacher. Apparently, he had some depth. And one day, an old master came to hear him. He sat in the back of the meditation hall while the young teacher was giving a Dharma talk. But the younger teacher saw him. And as a respect, knowing he was a renowned teacher and also much older, said, please come up here, sit next to me while I give my talk. So the old master rose and sat next to him. The young teacher resumed his talk and every other word was a quotation from a different sutra of a Zen master. The old master started to nod off in front of everyone. And the young teacher could see him out of the corner of his eye, but he just continued. The more authorities he cited, the sleepier the old man became. Finally, the young teacher couldn't stand it anymore. So he asked, what's wrong? Is my teaching so boring, so awful, so totally off? At that point, the old master leaned over and gave him a very hard pinch. And the young teacher screamed out, ouch! The old man said, ah, that's why I've come all this way. This is the pure teaching. This ouch teaching is what I've come for. So what the old master was wanting from the young teacher was direct experience. He didn't want reference to other teachers, to their experiences, to what he'd learned in books. He wanted to know about his own experience. And this story is uh, given in the context of uh, an article about a tribe of people. It's, it's a well-known story, and I'm not going to tell you it all. A tribe of people called the Kalamas. And the Kalamas uh, had lots of different people coming to their village or their area, and all with different views, different opinions. And um, they called the Buddha in, Shakyamuni Buddha, the, the historical Buddha, to give them some advice on who to believe in. And, what, and anyway, he came along. And after hearing their story, the Buddha replied, Come, Kalamas. Don't go by reports, by legends, by traditions, by scripture, by logical conjecture, by inference, by analogies, by consistency with your own views, by probability or by thought. Contemplation is our teacher. And he went, went on later to say to them, be a lamp unto yourself, be a lamp unto yourself. Now, I don't know what that means for you. Maybe somebody wants to say, what does it mean to be a lamp unto yourself? What does it mean to be a lamp unto yourself?
Hey, the Buddha's come all this way. He's come all the way to the village. He needs an answer. Okay, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Just to trust your own experience. To trust your own experience. Okay. I think that's the that that would be the odd the, the, the ob obvious understanding, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, I agree. The obvious understanding. Trust your own experience. Yeah. Miranda. Rishi, hi. Um, I was thinking it's uh, more more not just experience, but uh, noticing it so showing things up in yourself yeah yeah, yeah. In myself, yeah. Uh, using my experience to to learn yeah great good 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 that's often missed thank you maybe i'll give you time for more questions later because miranda kind of hit on what is important to me i mean all all, all that the brother said was you know we can all we can all agree with, you know, don't be necessarily taken in by legends or traditions or scriptures, not there's anything wrong. They often have a lot of truths and are really worthwhile uh, or by logical conjecture. But he also says, do not be taken in by consistency with your own views. Do not be taken in by consistency with your own views. So, Although it's important not to give authority to other people or other situations or scriptures, equally, it's important not to give final authority to your own ideas. You've got to check them out. You may have ideas, but, you know, put them to the test. Do they really work? It's about, you know, it is about your own real experience, but how valid is that? You know, how do you use it? Is it real? Is it conditioned by ego? Or is it conditioned by other things? Other things, you know. So, be a, be a lamp unto yourself is is about knowing yourself and how you operate in the world and how you fool yourself. So, just as in the story, for the Dharma to become first-hand for you, you've got to really feel the ouch factor that he said. The ouch to feel it, you know. Be intimate with it. Hold it up to scrutiny. Check it out. Is it real? Are you fooling yourself? What's the test of a truth? So for the Dharma to become first-hand knowledge, you really need to feel it. And that's kind of led me on, in, in not in an obvious way, but led me on to um, self-help. This is the, we all, we're all very familiar with all the many self-help books. Every newspaper, particularly now, has got all kinds of self-help articles. Um, uh, yeah. How do we develop these qualities that allow us to manage in life? And uh, But this is a quote from somebody, and I agree with it. The flaw that might afflict much of the literature of self-help is its inability or refusal to accept the sea, the utterly, to acknowledge the sea, the utterly untamable vastness out there of which we emerge and into which we inevitably return. No matter how rich, gorgeous, successful, powerful, and clutter-free we've managed to become, has it managed to ease your fear of drowning? Has it managed? Did it work? 
And all the self-help books, and I'm generalizing, it's not true, but generally the idea is that we, that, you know, life's tough and we have to get over it. We, we, we find strategies to get on with it. Um, but what isn't emphasized is the ouch factor. The ouch factor. Um, can you really feel what you're feeling? Can you be present to the real difficulty that you may be in or the joy or whatever? Can you really be it? Can you really feel it? Are, are, you, are you trying to fix it and evade it and avoid it and come up with a strategy from a self-help book? Um, there's, a, there's a quote here from a poem by w William Butler Yeats, W.B. Yeats, and the, uh, it ends with the following lines. I must lie down where all the ladders start in the foul rag and bone shop of the heart. In the foul rag and bone shop of the heart. Can we really be present to the foul rag and bone shop of the heart? Can you really be present to it? Can you abandon all your strategies and all your efforts to control all the stuff that's going on. That's, that it can be really scary, it can be terrifying. Can you allow yourself to sink into the muck and feel its texture? It's hard and it's difficult, but we're talking about the ouch factor. Can you really be present to your life? Because my experience, and you know, I'm, I'm probably no better at this than you are. I mean, it's painful for me being in the shit, same as everyone else. But my experience is that when you try and pull yourself out of it by a strategy or an idea or a concept, it doesn't work. But allowing yourself to feel it in some way brings some sense of comfort that at least you're empowered in it. You're allowing yourself to feel it. Yeah. So we don't need to conform to some image of how we should be or shouldn't be. We need to be a lamp unto ourselves. We need to be a lamp unto ourselves. <laughs> this this article finishes with a uh, a memory of the the author said a young monk had asked him now in his Zen practice as a young monk he was told it doesn't really matter how happy we are <laughs> what do you think of that it doesn't really matter how happy we are I mean it seems like it's really important that we're happy <laughs> anyway. I've finished. I'm brief tonight. So let, let me, what does, tell me what you think. What's it like? What does it mean to be a lamp unto yourself? What's your experience? Rashi, what came up for me when you said that was burn your own wick. Burn your, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Until all the paraffin's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Hiroshi. Hi. Uh, 
it occurred to me as well, there's um, being a lamp unto yourself. Um, now, what was I going to say? But, <laughs> no, struggling with Zoom. Turn the wick off, Jordan. <laughs> say, turn the wick off. You need more lies. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, um, no, I can't remember now what I was going to say. It was extremely important, obviously. But... <laughs> okay. Gordon, not knowing is most intimate. Yeah. <laughs> Colin. I was going to, um, I was going to say, like, I, the thing about the ouch factor, um, yeah. I, I feel like it, as the, as the kind of this weird period of lockdown's gone, it's got kind of harder and harder to, um, yeah. Yeah. me to be present, you know, mm. um, and because there's just, I mean, it's, it's ironic because there's nothing else to do. Mm. But, um, but one of the, I've realized one of the things that makes it easier to be present is variety. Mm. Um, you know, like a variety of experiences and, and, and different things going on. It's like someone suddenly leaning over and pinching you. It, mm. you, know, you go out and you're there. Mm. And when it's just the same thing every day and the same screen for work and the same room. And it's, I, I find that sort of the power of just, you know, daydreams and distractions just become so much more. And it, it kind of makes me wonder if, um, you know, when people used to go off and be be hermits somewhere, mm. were they kind of intentionally creating that lockdown dynamic for themselves to sort of see if they could push through it? Um, I, I don't know. I think it, so, it seems yeah. so much harder to me when there's less going on. Yeah, I mean, the only difference is this is a, not a voluntary restriction. The hermit sort of retreat is a voluntary restriction. Mm. This is why this one sticks up your nose because you, <laughs> you're not choosing it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but thanks. Thanks, Colleen. Mm. I think I can remember what I was going to say now. Okay. <laughs> that um, being a Lampeter, I thought, we think that we make choices and maybe we don't make so many choices. You know, how, how much is our, our decisions and so on in our life, our own choice, and how much is it just um, already predetermined? You know, it's a bit of a philosophical question in some ways, but I think if we accept that these things have happened and we haven't necessarily picked and chosen uh, our path if you like <laughs> we have faith in it then then in a way we already are a lamp unto ourselves because that's the way we've gone do you know what i mean is, is or I, I don't know if i'm expressing it well but uh this idea that we've made the wrong choice or something maybe we didn't maybe the choice was how it was for us it, it's just how we are and, and then if we trust that then we can be a lamp unto ourselves do you know, does that make sense? It does, Gordon, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's a really interesting question. Yeah, it really is. So, uh, you know, most of us feel we're in a film that we didn't write the script for. Yeah, maybe we did. <laughs> but, but yeah, and, and yeah. I was speaking with somebody earlier that, you know... That... In an unconscious way. I know it's a, it's a philosophical debate that they've never has never been settled about how far we're, our, we're in charge of our life, not we're just programmed in a way okay thanks thank you thanks sarah yeah for me it doesn't work to do anything other than to completely feel whatever's 
arising in, the, in that time. Mm. And actually, I found that easier when there was less distractions. So, for example, the weeks when I was lying in bed and I couldn't, I couldn't keep my eyes, I couldn't have my eyes open, I couldn't listen to anything. There were no distractions there. There was no alternative other than to completely feel it. But for me, it kind of feels like a bit of a balance. So, yes, it's really important to feel it. But then it's there's also the element then of then needing to react and respond to that situation. And I was having a conversation with somebody in a different context last night, but it's quite similar in a five rhythms group. And they were talking about kind of wishing they could just go with the flow more and not feeling that they needed to change the situation. And I said, well, actually, you can kind of, for me, I can kind of go too much that way and think that I just need to let the situation happen. And sometimes after I felt it or alongside feeling it, I actually need to do something about changing it. So for example, there was no point just lying in bed and thinking I can't do anything about the situation. There's always some choices but it's that balance between not trying to rush to an action at, to bypass feeling it, yeah. but as well as feeling it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining that, but it kind of feels like a... Yeah. It, 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 in all these things, it's the middle way. <laughs> Which is hard to find, isn't it? It's hard to find, yeah. It's like a razor's edge. You keep slipping off the bloody middle way, but that's what you're talking about, the, the middle way. Yeah. You know? yeah, and you can feel on either side. Yeah. And the more I try to, to be on one side or the other, the kind of the more likely I am to fall off it. Yeah, yeah. Slide down the hill. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thanks. I think Rosie has a hand up. Sorry, who? Hi, Rosie. Oh, hi, Rosie. Oh, hi, Rosie. Can you hear me? Yeah, good and loud, yeah. Oh, good. Um, yeah, just what you said at the end, actually, um, really stuck with me actually that um it doesn't really matter how happy you are I feel like that's something that's keeps coming up actually this month like it just feels like for me anyway and I think lots of people around me like it's January it's lockdown it's rubbish like no one's having a good time and it almost feels like the illusion of like going around pretending to be happy all the time has just dropped mm -hmm. and that it feels like it's a bit like okay just not to be okay and sit with it more than usual um, yeah, that's the sense I have at the moment anyway. Thank you. That's, I was just thinking then, I mean, I, I wonder if in America they're still saying that, that the checkout sales have a nice day. <laughs> 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 yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, John. John Sweegan. Hi, Roshi. Hi, John. Um, yeah, I... I think one of the things I'm clear about with this with this practice, it's it really isn't about self improvement, much as <laughs> much as I've tried. <laughs> I mean, not not to say that various sorts of improvement might happen incidentally to the practice, but it's it's not the main uh, thrust of it. Um, but in relation to that, when you you're mentioning the the sort of around the kalamas, what I really like about that that you know, idea of being a light unto yourself, is the Buddha also apparently encourages them not even to believe his teaching yeah. with, without checking it out for themselves in their own experience. Um, and and I, I think that's really refreshing, whether it was a, you know, a strategy really just to generally not accept all these teachers and holy men and different ideas handed down through the centuries, you have to examine them and you have to see whether it me measures up in your own life or makes sense. And uh, I suppose that that might be some sort of self-awareness or, or self-improvement self maybe. 
Um, I, I think I think that I think that's absolutely true. But I think the people gloss over. He's also saying, "Don't believe yourself." You know, don't believe me, but don't believe yourself either. You yeah. got to check yourself out as well. Yes. <laughs> Challenge yeah. yourself. Challenge yeah. your own views. Where do you stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, hi. Hi. Oh, hi, Lorena. Hi. Um, for me, what comes up is something about um, trying to be as transparent as I can. Uh, you know, so something about, um, yeah, just, just, yeah, thinking about it a bit like I think what Sarah was saying, no? uh, acting also, no? thinking and acting and then seeing, seeing what happens. Mm. No? So, and a lot comes through for me through how others respond to me and what I learned from that. So but by being transparent, the response you get from folk help you understand. Yeah, in a way, no? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because, yeah, I got you, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, saying in a way is like, yeah, like right now, no? Saying yeah. what, what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. Putting yourself on the line, yeah. Yeah, and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you, thanks. Yeah, Alistair. Um, like uh, like Rosie, I was struck by your kind of throwaway thing at the end. Doesn't matter if you're happy. I, I, I that 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 was like walking into a wall. That the sense that the thing that does matter is our happiness. Is something we're so programmed in, even to the point where it's already seen as an alternative to other things that in the past we would have measured ourselves up to. Like people go, oh, isn't Bhutan amazing? They measure their national happiness rather than money, you know, and, and, and the, the sense of kind of well-being as kind of a new ideal that, that we're all supposed to, we're all supposed to reach for. Um, and and it doesn't matter. It is a slap in the face. What do you mean it doesn't matter? You know, surely it's the thing that ultimately matters. But it doesn't matter. And I guess it's the the me that wants to be happy is is the me that's unsatisfied with everything and will ultimately not even be satisfied with my happiness, you know? Alistair, thank you. Do you know what? You've What's made that? me so happy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say we're meant to pursue happiness. It's in the American Constitution that oh, just. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. A new <laughs> you didn't make a very good joke. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs>